0: Now fast forward 2,500 years from the time of Esther to Israel and the battle that Israel is in. So that's where Israel comes into the title because Israel is doing the same thing. They are defending. The name of their armed forces is the Israeli Defense Forces. From the very beginning, they've taken that name. They are defending their people and their lives there. If they don't get attacked, the message from Esther is if nobody attacked Jews in ancient Persian, nobody would have died. The same is true today. If nobody attacks Israel, nobody will die. The Israelis want peace.
1: Hello, folks, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. My name is Jonathan Lindbergh, and I'm sitting in today for Byron Tyler, and I'm so glad that you joined us for this dynamic program. I'm excited to have in studio with us today Dr. Trisha Miller, who is with Camera, an organization of Israel Advocacy here in the United States. Dr. Miller, it's great to have you. We're going to be spending the next thirty minutes talking about Israel.
0: Great. That's wonderful. Thank you for having me, Jonathan.
1: I've been familiar with the organization camera, and it's actually all capital's camera for a number of years, but tell our listeners just kind of in a nutshell what does camera do what is camera
0: first of all camera stands for the committee for accuracy in middle east reporting and analysis it's been in existence for 40 years actually this year we're celebrating our 40th anniversary it's a media watch organization watching all of the media that has anything to do with israel uh it's a jewish organization they started during the first lebanese war because of the horrible media coverage of israel but there is a Christian department. What I am doing is watching everything going on in the Christian world in relation to Israel.
1: So it's not necessarily producing media. It is critiquing it and trying Correct. to offer a, a maybe a clearer lens on yes. what is being reported.
0: Yes, it's correcting. It's watching and correcting, getting corrections, lots of corrections every month from all kinds of major outlets. They run an article that's just totally biased, has inaccuracies in it. Camera corrects it and asks for them to print the facts.
1: And I would imagine this started, you said, 40 years ago during a war. Or were there incidences there that really kind of galvanized people? Is there a couple of specific examples that really kind of caused people to see the need for an organization like Camera?
0: Well, it was the, the way that the media was covering um, the, the first Lebanese war when Israel took what are actually defensive actions, and that's something that maybe we can get into more. But everything Israel does is defensive. Um, They don't go out, they don't set out to attack countries, but they have to defend their citizens, and they are constantly under attack. So, again, it's they're doing something defensive, but the media spins it and makes it sound like Israel is attacking.
1: And we've just seen uh, even this this year with the war going on in the Ukraine that a lot of this now is PR wars um that if you aren't able to control the narrative you can have the tide of uh, nations turn against you and of course israel has been battling against that for decades
0: yes and what's really crazy about the news coverage of ukraine now is that the anti-israel people the haters are comparing ukraine to the palestinian situation when there's mm-hmm. there's just no parallels at all <laughs> russia is attacking citizens targeting citizens killing women and children targeting refugees And Israel does not do that.
1: So you spend a lot of time uh, digesting media, trying to see how things are being covered uh, in regards to Israel. What sort of trends are you seeing? Are you seeing the coverage correcting itself a little more? Because I think anyone that's been paying attention to how Israel is treated in the media uh, has a lot of complaints for decades this isn't a new thing where there's, there seems right. to be a bias. Are you seeing a correction taking
0: place? Is the internet helping with that? What are you seeing as a trend? No, I'm sorry to say it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Anti-Semitism, which is what this really boils down to, because the critique of Israel is it's completely double standards. Everything that's said about Israel, nobody would say about any other country when they're defending their citizens. So it really boils down to anti-Semitism, which is the oldest hatred in yeah. the world. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of years old and that's and it's not getting any better and my particular concern is with the christian world and fortunately there's uh there's issues there too
1: yeah. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, of examples, maybe to give our listeners kind of a window into what you're talking about. I remember a story a, a number of years ago of an explosion that took place, I believe, in Lebanon. And it, forgive me if I'm getting the exact locations in, incorrect, but Israel was involved. And the reporter was taking a picture of the destruction and decided to take a teddy bear, that had kind of been battered and beaten. You're nodding your head because you're familiar with this, right? Yes. And and move the teddy bear and put it on top of the rubble to kind of give it a little bit of a, right. a heartstring pull. Right. And the the article and the slant was, you know, Israel is is, is monsters and they're and, and here's another example and and kind of talking about kids being brutalized. Right. So mm-hmm. is that kind of a window of just a slight movement of yes. of an
0: object can change the whole narrative? Exactly and and then oftentimes the pictures will be completely staged, and Camry debunks this time after time after time. The pictures are staged, the headlines are outrageous. Most people just skim. they don't read in depth, right They see the pictures, they see the headlines. they don't read down into the article a few years ago when somebody attacked uh, rabbis praying in a synagogue, right? They were slaughtered while they were praying. But then there was a self-defensive action taken, and the Palestinian attacker was killed. Mm-hmm. So, what does the news media does with that is that Israelis kill a Palestinian, and they don't tell them, you know, <laughs> what happened. What happened to cause that to happen? Yeah. What they do with headlines and pictures is try to create this picture that Israel attacks unprovoked they just like to kill palestinians is the narrative they're creating and the danger of this uh long term is what it's turning the world against israel and isolating them and to eventually destroy them the whole bds movement they're claiming that they're doing this for the good of palestinians or bds is boycott divestment and sanctions yeah where they'll boycott certain companies or products because they're protesting israel being in the so-called west bank
1: yeah Well, of course, uh, here in the United States, we've seen a huge discussion over the last four or five years about truth in media. And it's been going on longer, but I think the previous administration really kind of brought this with the idea of fake news to a whole new level. And so talking about how there is truth and reporting and truth in media, United States has kind of entered into this conversation as well. But in regards to Israel, this fight has been going on for a long time. I would imagine that the frustration is that if there is managed to be a correction, As I read corrections, it's always at the end of the article. Yes. And it's a small little line that says, oh, we made a mistake. And kind of the narrative's already out of the box.
0: That's right. And it's after the fact. That's the point, is the correction is after the fact. The lie has already gone out. The lie has already spread around the world. And then people like us at Camera have to do the research, have to document it, have to show why is this wrong. And that takes a little bit more time than just telling a lie. Anybody can tell a lie very quickly, but it takes time to document it and go for the correction. And yes, like you said, it's already out of the box.
1: We're talking with Dr. Trisha Miller with Camera. What's a website for Camera if people want to find out?
0: It's camera.org. Okay. And then within Camera, there's the Partnership of Christians and Jews, which is what I'm working through. Right. And that website is cameraspartnership.org. No yeah. no apostrophe S in the cameras, just cameras. Partnership.org.
1: And it's a great resource, those of you that are listening that are interested in Israel, as the Bible tells us we should be and are praying for Israel. It's a great resource to be able to connect those two and understand how we as Bible-believing Christians can advocate for Israel. What is the response from media organizations, whether big or small, when you address what you feel are inaccuracies. How do these media organizations, which I would imagine I'm already kind of seeing your response that the answer, they don't like to admit they're wrong and nobody does. How does that process go to even working towards getting a correction and how often do the corrections come?
0: Well, you're right. They don't like to be told they're wrong. People in general don't like to be told they're wrong. But especially in this case, the media is purposefully casting a narrative they are purposefully doing this to put israel in a bad light so they don't like to correct but camera has quite a reputation and camera does not back down yeah and cameras analysts keep on it and they get corrections
1: so you're seeing a lot of success
0: yes there's a lot of success in getting corrections yes
1: And what does that look like? Is it what I just described that, you know, next time we report on this or we'll go back to the digital Mm -hmm. version of the article and we'll put a little line at the bottom that says correction? Well,
0: both. The correction will show up, but it also makes whatever outlet we're talking about, it also makes them a little more careful the next time. It does make them realize somebody's watching. This isn't
1: just going on with large corporations, and I know maybe people that are listening. We're familiar with this from a Christian point of view, because Christians get shaded in the media a lot of times, too, really unfairly. And we probably all can think of publications, television stations that we just don't like because of the way that they report on Christians. But this is now taking a whole new realm from when cameras started, where you've got this uh, tsunami of information pouring out of
0: online services on a continual basis Mm -hmm. how do you keep up with all of that it's difficult but there's quite a staff there's almost 50 people who work for camera the majority of them are in the boston office but there's a large uh, staff in jerusalem also and then a few other people in different parts of the country here and uh the uk
1: yeah You know, you talked about anti-Semitism. And of course, we've seen in the last every year, it seems like we're saying the same thing that anti-Semitism, not in Europe, not uh, other places here in the U.S. is increasing. And we can say that again over the last year. Does camera, do you guys see a direct correlation to the way that uh, stories are being reported and acts of
0: anti-Semitism? Yes. Yes. When Israel is Attacked when Israel is, when there's a false story about Israel, it makes Jews particularly, but actually anyone who supports Israel, it makes them a target also. The, the number of attacks on students, Camera has a large campus department, mm-hmm. um, when they work with students on multiple campuses around the country. The predominant feeling of Jews on college campuses is they're, the majority are afraid to show any sign of being Jewish in public. Yeah. They won't wear a Star of David or a yarmulke or whatever. There is because tremendous of physical, fear. physical, physical fear. yeah,
1: or, physical. Or, or emotional, mental, just, you know. Well,
0: all of that. Yeah. Yes. Emotional, mental, and physical threats. Yeah. And sometimes actual physical attacks.
1: Mm-hmm. And the effect is uh, long-term, and it's uh, traumatic, I would imagine. Yeah. So if you're an organization like Camera, how do you become... Proactive, in other words, is there ever a time where you're able to get in front of the story, or is it just you finding that it's there's so much that it's constantly reactive
0: that you're having to respond
1: to what's being out there?
0: There is a mostly reactive, yes, but um, I guess I, what I'm asking
1: is there a fix?
0: Yes, that's what what I've been trying to do through the partnership of Christians and Jews for years. I've been reaching out to Christian leaders pastors, I want to get in front of this, like you're saying, be proactive and I have in in a lot of cases because the vast majority of the Christian world is not anti-Israel. No, now I'm talking about evangelicals. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a different subject than mm-hmm. yeah. because I focus well, let's on talk the, about evangelicals. I focus yeah. on the evangelicals, right. not, okay. m- not mainline. So, yeah. um, mainline churches are different. Mm-hmm. They they are more anti-Israel.
1: But from evangelicals, they're not coming at it uh, <clears throat> anti-Israel, be, you know, they're not they're not looking to divest.
0: Right. There is a small portion of the evangelical world that is being influenced by the Palestinian Christian narrative, and that's a a great concern to me. So I have spent a lot of time countering that. But the vast majority of evangelicals just don't know. They're not hearing anything about Israel from the pulpit. They just don't know really what's going on. And that's my concern because that makes them vulnerable to the lies. The Palestinian Christian narrative that has been being pushed here in the United States for 20 to 30 years— is diabolical it's deceptive it's lying it's based on bad theology which we can get into if you want but you're just a nice evangelical sitting in the pew and you have not been taught what does the bible say about israel what does god feel about israel you'll be susceptible to these lies so that's where i'm trying to i'm trying to educate in advance
1: you're listening to Mid South Viewpoint. My name is Jonathan Lindbergh, sitting in today for Byron Tyler, and we are talking with Dr. Trisha Miller from the organization called Camera. Dr. Miller, you're actually here in Memphis. Uh, you've been here before yes. for uh, the Israel Festival, and you're back with us to uh, speak uh, to a group on the title Esther, Israel, and the Church. There's a, a wide array, I can see the Old and New Testament and everything in between in that title. Tell us what that means to you, Esther, Israel, and the
0: Church. Right, well, I'm starting with Esther because I did my Ph.D. work. Um, I have a Ph.D. in Hebrew Bible. I did my dissertation on Esther because I could look at the history of Christian anti-Semitism By looking at the history of Christian interpretation of Esther, Mm -hmm. which is very anti-Semitic, because all along my concern has been to address the Christian world, specifically evangelical world, because that's what I'm a part of. My work on Esther shows that the Jews were only allowed to defend themselves. When the the edict was issued that they were all going to be killed, the king allowed for a second decree to be issued to allow them to defend themselves. It's very clear in the Hebrew all of the action is defensive uh-huh. now fast forward 2500 years from the time of esther to israel and the battle that israel is in so that's where israel comes into the title because israel is doing the same thing they are defending the name of their armed forces is the israeli defense hmm. forces from the very beginning they've taken that name they are defending their people and their lives there if they don't get attacked, the message from Esther is if nobody attacked Jews in ancient Persia, nobody would have died. The same is true to today. If nobody attacks Israel, nobody will die. The Israelis want peace. And the church. And the church. It's a call to <laughs> Which Christians. is really
1: what you spend a lot of your time thinking about. We mm-hmm. talked about the media, but you're, you're, you're dialoguing with the evangelical church right. to bring awareness to this idea of Israel is, is being attacked and there is anti-Semitism being waged against Israel
0: on a daily basis, unprovoked. And the church has a responsibility. The church, Christians have a responsibility to know what God says about Israel, the future of Israel in the Bible. They need to see that what's happening now with Israel is the fulfillment of the prophecies found in the Hebrew Bible. They need to understand that we're living in a miraculous time where Jews are coming back to their land, and they need to understand that they need to support this and stand with the Jewish people.
1: When you're talking with evangelicals, you are communicating to them what is the role of the church in all of this? What are you saying should be the responsibility of Bible-believing Christians?
0: To be a voice and to take action wherever you see any sign of anti-Semitism, any sign of anti israel narrative propaganda to be aware of the facts know the facts and be able to stand up and speak out and mordecai said in esther four um when mordecai heard about this decree that the jews are going to be killed and he said to esther you have to do something you're in the palace you Hmm. can do something (laughs) and esther's first response was Well, I can get killed if I go to the king without him asking me to come. So that's where we are. Well, and
1: she had established a very nice position for herself. And, of course, uh, things were comfortable.
0: Right. But Mordecai said to her, don't think you'll be safe just because you're in the palace. And that's my message to Christians today. We have got to be involved in what's going on. We have got to take a stand. We will not be safe whether we do or not. So the right thing to do is to take a stand. And the
1: church, how do they do that? In other words, somebody might be listening today and say, well, you're part of a global organization that advocates on behalf of Israel. You might be talking to a pastor. We're talking about evangelical leaders. I don't have a pulpit. I just have a job and a family. And what can I do? How do people get involved that well,
0: way? Well, everybody hears the media, right? Everybody hears some form of media. If they hear something on the media, contact that media source and say that's wrong but see they have to start by being informed they have to know what's wrong and what's right they have to be able to point out the inaccuracies or write letters camera has tens of thousands of letter writers Hmm. if somebody wants to be a letter writer they can you know get tips from camera on how to do that to write letters to the editor to write letters it doesn't take long yeah write something to get something published to to be a voice
1: and to start that process with camera for folks to get involved with your organization, what do they need to do?
0: They can email me. My email is trisha at camera.org. You have to spell my name T R I C I A. Mm-hmm. So it's tricia at camera.org. I put out a mailing list that is not burdensome. It's only once or twice a month. I know everybody gets flooded with emails. Well, I'm on that list, and I can tell you
1: that's all it is. It's not a deluge.
0: It's just for informing people. So if you want to be on a mailing list that will give you more facts, give you more information once or twice a month, email me.
1: Yeah. And you know, a lot of the work that we're all engaged in, in advocating for Israel is letting people know that you do have a voice. You don't have to have a pulpit. You don't have to have a platform or, or a political position to have a voice. Every, all of us have a voice and we can use that voice. Right. And, and the other part of that voice is that that voice can also allow us to pray. And the Bible tells us over and over again that we ought to be in prayer for mm-hmm. Israel and for the people of God. Uh, there is something sacred and holy about that place. And we have a responsibility uh, to pray for peace and
0: to pray for the people of God that that his hand would continue to protect them. hmm and then you mentioned politics also. I fully agree with what you're saying about prayer. You mentioned politics. Camera is nonpartisan. Camera does not take um, political positions on anything. But I would just urge, um and I'm not urging anybody to do that either, but I would urge people who are listening to find out where candidates stand on Israel. What do yes. they think about Israel? Yeah. Because you're voting biblical values. I'm not telling you to vote for one party or the other, but I am asking Christians to be aware, know the facts, be informed on the issues, and vote for people who will do something that's in the right direction for Israel.
1: Folks, you're listening to Mid-South Viewpoint. Uh, my name is Jonathan Lindbergh, and I'm sitting in for Byron Tyler today. We're talking to Dr. Trisha Miller from the organization CAMERA. I'm curious, uh, Dr. Miller, how did you get interested in Israel? What was it that brought you to this point where you've spent your life advocating?
0: Well, it actually started in my childhood. I was raised in a a Christian home, pro-Israel home. I was raised in Silver Spring, Maryland, where about half the population is Jewish. Uh We all had Jewish friends. My parents had Jewish friends. I had Jewish friends. And I never heard anything anti-Semitic or anti-Israel in a church. So I grew up in this bubble where I didn't know that there was such a thing as Christian (laughs) anti-Semitism. I thought we all got along. Mm-hmm. So as a young adult, I started studying the Holocaust, a series of God-ordained steps where I just started studying the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And my first question was, what was wrong with the church right. in Germany? What was wrong with the Christians? Why right. didn't they stop this? Right. It's obvious Not just by the Not only stop it, they,
1: they poured fuel on the yes. fire. Yes, right?
0: and, I, and I so that started me on this quest of learning where I had to figure out what was wrong with them because I thought, well, I don't know any Christians that wouldn't have like <laughs> done something. And yeah. just the plain numbers, as you can tell you know i firmly believe the holocaust didn't have to happen if enough of the church had stood up but yeah. the church the majority of the church in germany actually thought this was the right thing to right. do
1: they advocated for because it.
0: of bad theology because of thinking well oh you know the old charge well, the jews killed jesus this is what they deserve that all of those li- the blood libels really yeah. So that's what started me into this, realizing the church has got to wake up. The church needs to understand what God has to say about the Jews, and we need to take a stand.
1: And from there, how did that progress to now it's a career? Now this is where you're spending your life. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you went to graduate school and Mm -hmm. you did your thesis on Esther.
0: Yes. But before that, I went to seminary because I I needed to study church history. I needed to study theology because I needed to figure out what what are these Christians thinking that Mm -hmm. it's okay to kill jews mm-hmm. and so that led to me realizing that i was being called to educate people about this and i originally thought i'll go into education because and this was
1: the drive i'm hearing you say the driving question was what would cause the church to be silent right. or to be on the wrong side right. in this pivotal moment in history
0: right and silence that's a key word too yeah. not just being on the wrong side but silence and that's where esther comes in Because Esther makes it very clear, we are not to be silent. You cannot be silent. And if you're silent in such a time as this, it's still going to happen to you. That's what people don't understand. They think they can hide from evil, and it's not going to reach them, but it will.
1: So through self-learning and through uh, formal education, it be- just became more and more of a drive to figure out the answer to that and then to be a remedy, mm-hmm. to be an mm-hmm. answer that I'm not going to be counted as one of those that is right. silent, that's going to just sit back and watch or not be aware.
0: Right. And not only am I not going to be counted as one that's silent, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that every Christian that I can reach is not going to be silent. Yeah.
1: What do you see when you look, people are listening today and you turn on your computer and there's a feeling of hopelessness when you read the news, whether you're immersed in news about Israel, I would imagine that there's a pervading kind of feeling of hopelessness because it's not getting better. How do you keep hope for the future?
0: Well, I've read the end of the book. Read read Revelation, (laughs) okay? Read Revelation. Israel's there. The 12 gates of the new city of Jerusalem are named after the 12 tribes of Israel. God has not given up on Israel.
1: I think that's a great message to us, uh, even in the church today. There can be a hopelessness within the church. Uh, We see a culture that is turning more and more against Christians. Making sure that you understand how the story ends Mm -hmm. is extremely important because God always has the final say in uh, in in human history.
0: Well, God made an everlasting covenant in Hebrew, burrito lam, starting in Genesis 15. That's the kind of covenant God made with Abraham, is an everlasting covenant. He doesn't break his covenants. It's everlasting.
1: Amen. Well, you know, those that are listening today, as we're talking about Israel and We've talked a little bit about being educated, and that's really your story, Dr. Miller, is that you got in, in, in interested in this question of why was the church silent and spent time learning and educating yourself. And that's the message I'm hearing you say to our listeners today is don't allow yourself to be fed a narrative by uh, outside sources. Find out the truth for yourself and, and, and take the time to be educated on Israel for yourself. That's right. That's right. The other message is that there is hope that we can pray. That's right. And we have a responsibility to stand with Israel. And when we do, God will bless that and God will honor that. It's dripping throughout the word of God, mm-hmm. this idea of us standing with the people of Israel and the people of God. That's right. Well, before we end, I want you to point us towards camera one more time and tell people how they can learn more about camera and your organization.
0: All right. First of all, email me at Trisha at camera.org. T-R-I-C-I-A at camera.org. And the website is cameraspartnership.org and camera.org
1: great place to start and you say, uh, well, I don't really feel like I've had a voice. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to get involved. Let your voice be heard. And we as Bible believing Christians have a responsibility to stand up for what is right. That's right. Well, folks, I want to thank you for spending time with us. And Dr. Miller, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today to talk about something that's very close to the heart of God, which is Israel. I want to encourage you that are listening today, be encouraged and know that there are people all around the world that are fighting for truth and fighting for the Word of God. It is a privilege to be part of that group. I want to thank Mid-South Viewpoint for allowing me to sit in today and Byron Tyler. I hope that you will tune in again to this program when Byron is back with us. Until then, thank you. God bless.
0: I'm Byron Tyler with a special thanks to our guest host today, Mid-South Viewpoint, on the air now for 36 years. Today's show is available on our website at botradionetwork.com and on podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music.